Hi everyone, Nick here. I just wanted to take a quick second to thank you guys for all of your support for this show. It's uh, been six months now since we started, which is crazy. And um, I just wanted to make a special request this month. Uh, for those of you guys who've been listening, whether it's your first time or you know, you've been with us since the beginning, we would love to get some feedback from you. So if you could just leave a comment, uh, you know, you can leave it anywhere facebook youtube twitter instagram on our website you know wherever's convenient for you you can even shoot us an email at too many thoughts media at gmail.com we would just love to hear uh, what you think of the show the format and uh, anything we can do to improve so again we really appreciate all of the support and uh, we're looking forward to an even brighter 2020 now uh on to the show Welcome to the Fantasy Book of the Month podcast. This month, we are talking about elves. We have with us, I am Peter. We have Katie. Hello. Dan. Hi, it's Dan. Rachel. Hello. And uh, this month, we are missing Nick. But uh, we are here. Missing is a strong word. (laughs) (laughs) Boo. You know, you'll hear this. (laughs) What? No, I think, I don't think Nick's editing this one. Nope, I think it's me again. Oh, well, he'll probably listen to it. He'll be aware that it exists. You know what? I'll Maybe. just tell him that we, we are happy he's not here. I feel his presence, strangely, in the holiday. is like a holiday spirit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but that's just, why we picked elves for the, uh, for the theme, right? Because this one's coming out in December, and uh, elves are, in theory, a Christmas thing. Um Spoiler alert, we're not recording in December. (laughs) No. You guys are ruining the magic. The Christmas magic is lost. (laughs) But so we all read books that in theory have something to do with elves or inspired by elves. And uh, we're going to talk about elves in general now. And I think Rachel had a list for us. May, I, I hope I have a list of things. So I was trying to look at like the history of elves and where they actually appeared from. Because I thought like... um. I was misinformed that like J.R.R. Tolkien was like uh, and was like the main rule maker for elves. But elves are actually uh, German folklore. Didn't know that. (laughs) Oh, I thought they were Scandinavian. They're from elves. Elves are all around. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they're Germanic folklore. Well, Tolkien's elves are Germanic. Yes. Yeah. And originally it's supposed to mean white being like the Mm. name elves. Or the original name for elves. Oh, all this information I stole from Wikipedia. Understandable. I mean, my vague recollection without having done any stealing from Wikipedia is that the Norse, I think it was Aelfir, uh, meant light or white beings. Um, and then I think they had counterparts. Um, yes, the they dark elves. Dark, they do have dark elves. Well, God of War taught, taught me that. And they're mean. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Book of the Month podcast, we give you lore as directed from God of War. Or is that the dwarves? Are dwarves uh, Fartalhelm? Um, Fartalhelm. Fartalhelm? Yeah. Yeah, there's well, those are the dwarves. The dwarves? Dwarves. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast um, where we mangle ancient words. An elf dwelling is actually just a dwell thing. No. <laughs> no, no, no. That's no, a bad no, one. Nope, nope, nope. No. <laughs> But you've also got like um, 
uh, Celtic, which uh, are the Fae. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, the, they... The evil ones. Yeah, I mean, they mix yeah, the at least. fairy and elf and kind of all together. Yeah, uh, I have a rule when reading. It's like if fairy is spelled with like two e's, <laughs> beware of the. <laughs> but if it's spelled normally, yeah, yeah, you gotta be careful of the spelling of fairy. If it's like a f a i r y, just it's normal elves. Just be optimistically cautious around them. If it's spelled the other way, run, run very far away. Just from the book or from the elves. Both. No, not the book. Oh, I've read lots of good books. I'm just kidding. (laughs) The book I'm currently reading, not for this podcast, has fairies with an A-E, but they're not horrible creatures. They're kind of just like regular elves, actually. So I I do think that's an interesting question. The author, an author seems to mean something not necessarily 100% defined, but distinct depending on how they spell their fae or fairy uh, or or other elfish creatures, right? Yeah, with um, with my interpretation is like if the fairy is spelled the other way with uh, I think they're trying to akin their fairy to more the fae creatures and their lore rather mm-hmm. than just like a pixie or something like that. They're trying to add more a uh, little more menace to them, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like a kind of like has anyone read uh, ancient magus bread no it's a fun it's a manga oh i've seen that show Damn. yeah like those fey are very mischievous and are out for their own desires and dangerous well if we're talking about like anime and manga stuff what about um sword art online 2 uh. where they're like <laughs> Elves, but fairies at the same time. But also our people playing a video game. Yeah. It's kind of all over. And can magically fly with no practice. Uh, <laughs> I have opinions about yeah. Sword Online. Yeah, that show's <laughs> somewhat reviled. I watched all of it because I, for like, a, once I start something, I need, I have a tendency to finish it. And I really didn't want to finish it. <laughs> I have that same thing. And yet Sword Out Online was one of the few things I was able to put down. <laughs> hmm. The first season was, I thought, how yeah, the first season was not terrible. The rest okay. of it was meh. Well, yeah, because the other parts were just like, hey, let's just go flirt with Kirito. Yeah. Um, yeah. If Kirito's not in the show, the show is halfway decent. That's what I've learned. <laughs> Except they it's can't do. You're talking about the main character of the show. <laughs> there is a Sword Art Online where Kirito is not the main character. It is called Sword Art Online Gun Gale Online. Oh, yeah. Doesn't it follow um, that little girl who likes pink? Yeah. Her, she's a college girl who wanted to be uh, like smaller in real life because she's really tall in real life. And who was really self-conscious about that. And I found that was kind of cute. Yeah, I think I think that's on Netflix right now. I maybe I don't know. Anyways, uh, I, it was halfway enjoyable until they got to the villain's motivation, which also Sword Art Online can't do. They don't do villain <laughs> motivations well. <laughs> As, yeah, I am evil because I'm evil. 
pretty much. Or just want to do awful things. I'm evil because I don't like being good. <laughs> well, I didn't want to say the other two motivations. That's of fair. Villain. Welcome to all my D&D players. <laughs> D&D is an interesting elf conundrum because I have a lot of people that play elves and try to immediately associate certain sort of social norms around what an elf is and how they are. And it's very different from what we read about. Uh, I don't know if you guys have experience playing elves. I mean, I was going to bring up the idea of, of when and where did elves transition uh, at least in certain themes or certain uh, fictions from, you know, from the, the fey creatures, these kind of unknowable uh, creatures from a, an alternate or parallel place or the from the elf lands, the magic places, to this sort of alternate kind of more magical human. And I was going to propose that it, it seems to have, in my non-thoroughly researched opinion, uh, taken place within Dungeons and Dragons and and related works. Well, I, you know, it's it's Tolkien, right? I mean, that's where most of Dungeons and Dragons gets its. Well, absolutely, its but Tolkien at least still keeps the elves being thoroughly. Uh, well, you're right. I mean, I think I think Tolkien's perspective was that the elves were fairly thoroughly otherworldly, but the way people and, and read them was not so much. Yeah, or at least they're supposed to be. Right. Yeah. Um, it's like going from this creature that's not, you can tell is not human to having a lot of human aspects. Right. When like you're, they're the good, they're the good humans. And then Tolkien <laughs> was like, actual humans are not good. So. Yeah. It's kind of, that's kind of true. Right. There's, there's the humans, there's the, the saintly humans, there's the evil humans in the orcs. And then there's the, like, I guess, innocent, the innocent humans in the halflings. Yeah. And the and the elves kind of represent like a divine human. Yeah, and they, they do in his extended mythology too, I think. I don't know a ton about yeah. it, but Yeah, the most experience I have with elves are actually from the inheritance cycle from when I was from by Christopher Pallini. Oh. Yeah, that's like my first ex like being exposed to elves. Other than like You're so Christmas. young. <laughs> Hush. <laughs> yeah, I really like that series, even though it probably doesn't hold up as well as. Oh, it doesn't. I tried rereading <laughs> the first one, and it was just like, ooh, cringe, cringe, cringe. I've only heard bad. Yeah, I have them all on my shelf here. I would. I, I always think I'm going to go back and read them, but then I hear stuff like that, and I'm like, maybe they can live nicely. In I mean, my mind. Um, it's great. Try it, Dan. <laughs> no, yeah. I have read them. I've read them. Uh, and I, I guess I agree with Rachel that, like, in my head, they seem perfectly fine. And I, I, I guess I somewhat disagree with some of the complaints that people have, but I have not read them recently. I read them when they came out. Um, I bought the hardcovers because I really like the hardcovers and I kind of want to keep them because they're just kind of a fun, stupid adventure kind of sometimes. Yeah, I mean, he obviously is pulling a lot of inspiration from from Tolkien and, and sort of the Western classic view of elves. But I like, you know, I like a lot of modern takes on, on elves, the, uh, you know, like Dungeons and Dragons, that, that tries to, you know, split the difference, so to speak, where there's, Hey, here are elves and they are in the normal mundane world. And they are 
you know, just a different race of people and, you know, maybe a little more magical than others. And then we've got Eladrin, who are like the otherworldly sort of wholly divine inspired, you know, so I, I, I didn't mean to uh, divert. I wanted to hear more about what you were saying about your, your players who were kind of making social assumptions about the elves and where that was. Going yeah. Out. Right. I mean, like, uh, you know, I think a lot of people bring the idea of, of elves, uh, you know, that they are sort of somewhat pouty. <laughs> pouty. <laughs> They're stuck up. Right. <laughs> okay. They are like, awesome. hey, we are elves, and so we are better than uh, most other creatures. They, you know, they bring kind of a racism. Oh uh, yeah, I, totally. I mean, I think uh, you know, elves in D and D fit this sort of like racial hierarchy that almost exists for some players, where they're like, hey, here are elves, and we put them at the top, and here are orcs and goblins, and we put them at the bottom. Okay. See, with for for me, I hate playing elves or human characters. Because they're so boring to me. <laughs> like, um, I was convinced to tr- at least try Final Fantasy fourteen, the MMO version, and the only race that I could play was the Cat Boys, because <laughs> everything else seems so very boring. Yeah, I mean, they are they are around enough now that they can seem almost vanilla in, in a sort of speak. So I, I get what you're saying. No, but I, I mean, I think you're right. I think for a long time, uh, at least around Dungeons and Dragons and Dungeons and Dragons related fiction uh, and in the game rules uh, from, I don't know, 15 to 30 years ago, um, they they occupied a, a biased place. Um, uh, they They... They seemed special to the authors and the authors made them uh, more special because that's how they felt. Um, and there are a number of examples of things for elves, uh, mechanical options for elves that are just extra powerful or uh, or stories, D&D stories with elves where they're just extra special. They're just so special. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's 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 true, too, that like there's been plenty of, of exploration in the other direction. Like if you think about uh, I, like I like the the Dragon Age series where elves are sort of this fallen race that are now sort of the looked down upon and and prejud- people are prejudiced against them uh, instead of sort of the opposite of the, what most people I think think of elves, which is sort of like high and enlightened mm-hmm. and, and over at race and mm-hmm. So like in Dragon Age, when they're treated like, you know, they're put in slums and are right. essentially slaves. And um, even the, even that ground is well trodden, you know, when it comes yeah. to elves. I'm told there's some of that also in The Witcher. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. And I think one of the primary stories of The Witcher is is a sort of elf rebellion. Mm-hmm. That is going on. Yeah. Um, Nick mentioned that in uh, the War podcast, actually. That's right. That's right. Maybe that's why I know about it. I also really liked the God of War's interpretation of elves because they're not, they're flying like bug-like creatures and they're strange to me. Hmm. I think that's a big part of elves when they're done really well is that they are recognizable as humanoid, but there is always something alien and otherworldly about them. I was like, uh, and at least in God of War, uh, the new one. They're they don't speak English and you can't understand what was going on and huh. their and their language is very mashed together. They're mostly in you don't really see them out of their armor, at least for the dark elves. Mm-hmm. You kind of see the light elves, but they're really like 
insect-like to me. Yeah, all of right. Is the it whole? It's a good take. I like I like that game's take on elves. Is it a little like uh, what is it the the Pan's Labyrinth kind of perspective on on fairies where we meet some and they're these very like insectile, fluttering, flitting, flittering things. Yeah, they're like underground creatures. And like uh, when you're fighting the dark elves, it's like a hive. Like uh, there's like hive things everywhere. Their world is very pretty, but you don't get to explore. It's one of uh, their realm is the one of the ones that you don't explore the most of. Hmm. I think it might be the smallest realm. I don't know. I can't remember. It's been a little while since I played that game. But in general, it sounds like we agree that elves are more interesting when they're not basically little people who make toys for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're they're more interesting when they're more alien. Except, of course, I mean the greatest the greatest elf of all time is Will Ferrell's elf in the movie Elf. Uh, you can't hate that movie. I hate that movie. Oh no! <laughs> Fight. I really don't like Will Ferrell as an actor, and that movie is not funny to me. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand kids today. <laughs> That's okay. I hate comedians. Just all of them. <laughs> They're not funny to me. <laughs> oh no, that's like all they want to be. <laughs> well, then they fail. Yeah, like every when I when I was in school, everyone wanted to watch Elf, and I'm like, no, I hate this movie. I'm sorry, I just don't like the movie. Well, should we get to some book reviews? Sure. Peter, pick someone. I'll take the uh, host's prerogative this time and just kick it off myself. Um, Because mine is easy. I read um, The Goblin Emperor, which... That has nothing to do with elves. You're right. You caught me. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I I started reading that book. I haven't... (laughs) What was that, Dan? It does have a lot to do with elves. Oh, it really does. It really does. Yeah. I started reading that book. I just wasn't into it at the time. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe you will after this review and maybe you will not. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's, it feels a little like a cheap shot to pick it and then read it and talk about it because it's an award winner. Um, you know, it's fairly widely recognized. Um, but effectively, the, as far as I can tell, because the author does a great job of not overloading you with with world building exposition so you just pick up as you go along um but as far as i you know pick up there are the elf lands and then there are the goblin lands nearby and there may be at some point we hear about some barbarians and i don't know if those are elf barbarians or something else um but my guess is humans <laughs> yeah but it's never like they, i don't think the word human is ever mentioned Okay. But, uh, so the main character is the fourth son of the goblin emperor. Um, and the, the only one who was produced through a political marriage of the elf emperor with the daughter of the goblin ruler. Um, and as far as I can tell, this isn't your typical, you know, here, here's a humanoid looking elf and here are, uh, short, strangely proportioned, weird looking goblins. People. They both look like people, um, except that goblins are dark uh, and have different colored eyes. And 
the elves are not they're they're very white um it's it's very clearly a book about racism um and i have a great deal of respect for tackling that so directly and yet in such a fanciful and uh kind of internal way um but so the this fourth fourth son of the emperor uh who is half goblin uh and you can see it in his skin and eyes and all of this um the emperor and all of the emperor's other sons die in a crazy airship crash and suddenly this person is the emperor and he knows he knows that he that no one wants him to be the emperor because he's too goblin and then uh, on the other hand he also knows that he has a duty to do um he knows what is right. He has, he has a fairly good sense of moral uh, duty and proceeds to do his very best to live up to the role that has been thrust upon him without any expectation, without any anticipation, um, and uh, live up to it while surviving and recovering from uh, what can only be described as years of abuse. Um, because he was an unloved, unwanted fourth son. And it's just, uh, it is a fascinating journey, both internally, uh, watching how he develops over the course of the, uh, over the course of the book and, uh, how he manages to make a place for himself as emperor by, remaining true to what feels like it should be true to him. Like the, the good things about people and the good things about having that power. And there's, there are a couple moments in there. There are a few moments in there where I end up crying because of just how uh, it's either out of relief for and with him or just out of uh, frustration or mourning with him. And it's a it's a great ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember liking it. Um, I think like when you're talking about how the racism is sort of out there in front, like uh, I think what I remember liking about it really a lot is how it, it kind of doesn't have a normal plot structure and it's really focused on its main character. Mm-hmm. And so like the and, and it obfuscates, even though that puts that sort of discrimination aspect out out front it obfuscates it a lot by using words that you associate with the fantasy genre while not really enforcing them you know in kind of the stuff we talked about how elves are not uh are, are we think of elves as a certain way but the book doesn't really engage in those it just uses the word elf yes and yeah it just says you know the elf lands and the goblin lands and and what it really means are white people and black people. Right. Um, but doesn't ever come out and, and really hit you over the head with it. Yeah. I mean, it, it tells you a few times like, well, there's a goblin over there and, and their skin is, is far, far darker. And it gives you plenty of space to make your own assumptions. Yeah. Yeah. And occasionally the main character thinks about how, how ugly his dark skin is, um, mm-hmm. which is just, you know, another, another sign of that, uh, that racism that has been built into him against himself from, from so young an age. And it's, it's a great right. book. Everybody should read it. 
I think the reason I stopped reading it is like the the terms it uses, like um, the fantasy like language it employed. It was just like very too much for me at that what point in time. Sure, I, yeah, I understand that. The uh, there are, there are a number of uh, I guess na- native elf words that it uses um, with some frequency, and um, most books that open with a pronunciation guide i would be leery to go forward with um uh, this book at least did it in an amusing way as a uh, as a travel guide to the elf lands um i remember i remember the names being very difficult also yeah there i mean there are there there's a little bit of pronunciation guideline and then there's a little bit of here's how they gender nouns which impacts names which can be a little confusing um but I found that in general, it seeped into the reader pretty quickly. Yeah, the way my brain works, it like I can't deal with like lots of mish letters that don't go together well. Sure. It, it just doesn't. I I just end up skipping the word entirely. Oh yeah, I get that. I have a <laughs> and and if it's a name, I kind of that's kind of important sometimes. I I have a digression on that on that note, which is um. There's a a book series by uh, oh shoot what's his name uh, well I can't really digress if I can't remember the author's name there's a book series where we the author proposes humanity has fled some alien menace and they land on some other planet it's the only place they're left and um, then 500 years passes and they they've lost their advanced technology okay that's fine. Over that 500 years, the author wants us to understand there's been language drift. Um, okay, that, that also makes sense. Yay, that's fine. Naturally, because the author is writing to us in language for us to understand, none of that lingual drift comes through, except that the author decided to, to write all of the characters' names in the way that we would pronounce them today to make them sound like they were, were pronouncing them then. Does that make sense? So they're written out phonetically. They're written out phonetically uh, so that I, so that either reader can see or hear or whatever, what the people are saying in that future time. Um, that sounds annoying. <laughs> it, it made the names unreadable. Um, See, th- that would work for me because I can't pronounce words without looking at the phonetics because how my brain works, like I forget how to pronounce very common words that and I also can't spell very common words unless the phonetics match up to how it looks normally. Hmm. Eh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know your brain 100%, but I want to assert eh. anyway that this would not work <laughs> because people just don't, we don't, we don't read letters we read words and these words that were names were nearly unreadable like there were a lot of z's and j's and y's in combinations we don't use i would point out that while we do have word superiority effect where uh, we recognize letters better when they're in words there there are feature detection when we're reading only short highly high probability words are automatized when we're reading i defer to your expertise I had a test on this, like, on Monday. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Sorry. No, um, not at all. Embrace your science. Please. Yeah. Teach me. Um, 
like the is very omnitized with reading, but there's a lot of there's a lot of up, uh, bottom up processing and top down processing where bottom up is looking at the features of the letters and then uh, looking at the letters and in, in the word and then looking at the word itself. Welcome to the Fantasy Book of the Month podcast, where we learn about how the brain reads words and letters. <laughs> yeah, and then top-down processing is using context from other things. It's fascinating. I, I love this. So I remember a, a little, just a thing from when I was in school, where um, the you, you were supposed to read like a 50-word message and then count the number of Fs in it. The, you always the, skip one. You always, well, I think the trick was you skipped the ones that were in the word of. Yes, that is the trick because yeah. your brain doesn't recognize it as a letter because it's a high, highly automatized word. Right. So it's just part of, it's just part of of. That's yeah. automatized. Awesome. Uh, regardless, cool. that book that I was talking about by the author with the words and that were the names, that was bad. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> I do feel like in the Goblin Emperor, it was spread out a bit more. And when it starts to kind of uh, it, it doesn't start to crowd until at least for me, it was far more manageable. Um, but I understand it won't be that way for every reader. It gives you a lot of context, if I remember. And and you're it, not uh, dealing with too many characters. That's it's true. mostly like places and titles and things that get a bull. Yeah, I might try. I might try audiobooking it because I tried physically reading it, and my brain was like, "Uh, no, that go away." Do. That could do. I'd be. It's interesting. Um, I'd be interested to hear how the how an audiobook narrator reads it because um, there are a couple notes. I mean, one, there's a little bit on pronunciation of certain diphthongs uh, early in the book, uh, and then. And, and consonants. And then somewhere halfway through the book, the character internally comments that he hadn't heard people correctly pronounce his mother's name almost ever in his life because goblins emphasize the first syllable in a three syllable name and elves emphasize the middle syllable in a three syllable name. Um, yeah. which, which forced me to go back and kind of re-understand, reinterpret how I was reading characters' names. And I'm curious if the audiobook narrator would get those all right. I always go with audiobook pronunciations of words for things because, I again, I've, I've spent the entire of, of uh, Stormlight Archives pronouncing Yasna's name, Ijasta. There is no T in that word. Oh, huh. Again, because my brain just like looks at the first syllable and then fills in the rest with things I want it to want it to be. I know I've done that with names in the past in in fantasy books. I can't I can't grab an example out of the air at the moment, but I know I've done that. The name Nenave took me forever to pronounce correctly. Is that how you pronounce it? That's what the back of the book says. Nenave. I thought it was Nynaeve. It's it's Nenev. Oh, God. Yep. So I'm couple books in and I still can't pronounce it. Just pull your braid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, this is why I like audiobooks. They tell me how to pronounce things and give me a baseline of how the words work. Hey, hey. Well, they might not be always correct, but I assume the author passed off on it. So. <laughs> All right, Peter. All right. You're in charge. Do you have to reach into your Santa's bag of tricks and tell pull us? Pull out an nice. elf. Santa's bag of tricks. <laughs> Big. <laughs> All right. You know what? 
I'm going last now. You're going last? Okay, it's Rachel's turn. Okay, so I read a book that Peter told me to read. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to, as we discussed, I'm not going to pronounce anything correctly. How do you pronounce the name of the book, Peter? Jereg. Okay, because a J next to an H does not make sense to me. Um, so I read Jerig by um, Stephen Burst. Also, Peter, what did you read again? Sorry. What did ben, I read? I read uh, The Goblin Emperor by Catherine Addison. It's a fantastic book. It won awards. It was great. It's about racism. I love it. Yes. Anyway. You read Jerig by Stephen Burst. Oh, I thought it was Burst. I know. It's an easy trip up. Okay. Burst. And... You lied to me. There is no elves. Well, I know. It's the theme is supposed to be inspiring. And there are people in the book, or at least in the series, that consider the majority population of that setting to be elves, that call them elves. What? Peter was wrong about a book and the theme? Yeah, that never happens. I guess the main people that are not humans... Or could be considered elves, but they're also very lizard-like for some of them because of ha- how, because of spoilers. <laughs> Anyways, I it was kind of meh for me, honestly. It was I don't know. Yeah, I was sorry to hear that. More more yeah. on the, more on the side that I recommended something that you didn't enjoy than that you didn't enjoy it inherently. Yeah, it's just like it. It's a. I think I would have enjoyed it. It's normally the things I like. It's like oh, it's a fun heist book. And the, the the character is witty and funny. It just wasn't speaking to me at that time. I, that's, fair. that's not a thing you need to defend. I am curious what you were saying about the lizardy thing because I don't have I don't feel like they have any lizardly characteristics. The dragon people, the dragon clan. Well, they I mean their their self name for their species is Dragarans. Um, yeah. Uh, no, the dragon cl- the dragon clan of the Dragarans. Oh. Oh, yes, I forgot. Yeah, and they break themselves up into different clans or families or something by a, was it like a 13-body Zodiac kind of thing? Yeah, and they're all named after different animals of the... um, Of the the world. uh, Yeah, but they embody the... That's right. They they tend to demonstrate uh, uh, characteristics like covetousness and greed. Yeah, except for the Jared clan. They're kind of a catch-all. Yeah, they they accept all. I they think they accept all citizens, but they're also the more of the thief clan, and they're more like uh, gambling and loan sharks type of people. Yeah, they're kind of the, the crime. Thing. Are they? So are they more like degenerative Hufflepuffs? <laughs> the the, um, the Jared clan in particular, or no, because they're also assholes. <laughs> I think they just end up being the mob. Yeah, they're basically the mob. Oh, okay. Sounds so, cool. sorry, I'm not picking this up. What's this book about, you guys? <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's about um, the main character, Vlad, and he's a human living in a very racist society against humans. <laughs> And he's just, uh, he's also a citizen of the Jerig because his dad really wanted to be a Jerig and not be human. Uh, so he gained citizenship, which allows him to uh, reach uh, different heights than he normally would. 
he is part of the mob. He's a loan shark. Um, he's also an assassin. And the assassination system is probably my favorite part of the book. Because <laughs> death is not permanent. It, well, it doesn't have to be permanent. That change allows a lot of fun, I would say, of how death can be used as a warning to people to be like, hey, stop f***ing with me or something like that. Excuse me. <sighs> or stop screwing with me. And uh, children like, listen back to off. this podcast, do they? I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't I don't know if that's true. But yeah, yeah. So it ends up like murdering someone uh, can be a chastisement instead of a, a final yeah. solution. That's kind of interesting. Usually that's like the the last resort. Right. Yeah. It's the next to last resort because murdering is also expensive. (laughs) Well, the reviving after being murdered is also expensive. So the mad part about it was just the general nature of the book. Yeah, it probably it didn't mesh with me personally as a reader. Hmm. I, I can't like describe why I didn't like it. Like I can point out parts that I thought that, that can be improved, like um, Vlad's wife, which was she was mentioned, but I wanted to see more of her because she sounded awesome. Mm-hmm. But um, no, that's, I think that's a legit uh, criticism. I think it should, there should have been more of her, and she features more later on. But that's not an excuse. Yeah, like she's there for the last part of the heist, but she's also doesn't. She's kind of like a one note character at the end. And I'm like, ah, but I want to know more about her. What's mm-hmm. her thing? Check me if I'm wrong on this. I think the general like beginning of the plot is that uh, the, the Vlad is is offered a huge sum of money to perform some kind of impossible assassination. And then there's a whole lot of mystery and, and uh, puzzle solving around that. Is that about right? Yeah, he doesn't know it's impossible until later. Oh, okay. but, and, it, and then he tries to back out of it and then it, he realizes he really can't. <laughs> And he's working with um, other members, too. And there's, like, a lot of lore things that happen. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like it's kind of like a middle book, but it's not a middle book. No, it's the first. Yeah. you just There's a lot of information that's not explained, and I thought, like, I would like more to know about it. But, um, like, uh, the, like, the magic swords that mm-hmm. are very important to the plot, but I don't know where they come from. What are they? <laughs> <laughs> So if you really like heist books with witty characters, it's a really good that it does it very well. I just didn't like it. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't really say much more about that. All right. I suppose that makes it my turn since Katie is is going. She had more to say. Sorry. Oh, and I was going to say I read Zerig by Stephen Brest. Brest. Brust. Bruce. I mean, I don't know how he pronounces his name. I haven't had the opportunity to ask him. Is it B-R-U? It's B-R-U-S-T, yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That sounds like Bruce. Yeah, I was just clarifying what I read. (laughs) It's German for rest. We should should definitely be in the habit of (laughs) reminding people what we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, because we know what we're talking about, but people might forget. Sometimes we forget. I do that all the time when I'm listening to podcasts. Yeah. Oh, um, like I know, pe- I know people mix you and uh, Peter and Daniel up a lot. What? <laughs> Maybe I should talk in a funny voice. No, I should talk in a funny voice too. <laughs> oh no, our funny voices sound the same. 
Oh no. Okay, let's not do that. What if there's only one of us? <laughs> all right, we'll talk at the same time. <laughs> what about all the times that you guys like talk over each other though? How does that work? Looping. Ed- editing, yeah. I believe Dan's real. Peter's fake. Yeah, he's a robot, remember? <laughs> Seems legit. Sweet. I'm glad I'm real. I'm glad I'm fake. All right, I really read. <laughs> uh, I read um, Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik. Uh, so I loved this book. I, I love Naomi Novik. She's written a lot of great stuff. She wrote the Temeraire series. She wrote Uprooted a couple of years ago. And uh, I feel like this is like a spiritual sequel to Uprooted. It has a lot of the same kind of themes and character types, but um, is set in a very different setting. Uh, this one tells the story of Miriam, who is uh, she's Jewish. And I don't I, I can't remember. I read this a while ago, but the, I can't remember if they actually say I believe they do come out and just say, hey, this family is Jewish. And um, she's she's living in a sort of Russian analog kind of society, um, but set uh, back in like the czarist ages. Um, when there's kind of a feudal system still in place and, um, her family are money lenders and she finds that she's super good at it. She's like really great at like lending out money and having that money come back. Uh, you know, one turning one silver into two is kind of her trick, which is where the, the, the book gets its name from. Uh, which is great. She's she's having a great time and becoming very successful as a young lady um, in her little village. But at the same time, kind of the village starts to hate her because she is more or less controlling the finances of the entire village. They're all sort of dependent on Miriam and her lending for the, the village to be successful. And so that, as it does in actuality, leads to some bad feelings. So it's a traditional and, Jewish story then. Yes. I mean, like it, it, it is a very, it is a very Jewish story um, from what little I know of the, the culture, but, um, and it really like puts that out on front street. Like um, it's great. And I, I want to say too, that like the, the, the reader for the audiobook that I listened to has kind of an accent that seems appropriate to the, to the setting and I, I it just really made the book like better <laughs> because of it. I think it just made it way easier to get into the story, um, which I should look, I should, I should know her, the narrator's name, but I did not look that up. So, um, but uh, the sort of crux of the plot happens when uh, the elves show up, uh, which are kind of winter, this win- this race of winter elves, um, who more or less live in the forest, but don't come out and are treated kind of like boogeymen by the um, the, the villagers. Uh, but they sort of learn of her her ability to take one silver and turn it into two silver. Uh, and then eventually, you know, she becomes successful enough that she's taking silver and turning it into gold. And that's when the uh, the elves are like, oh, we've got to get this girl because we are all about gold and we love gold so so uh, they, they they want her because she's a wise investor well so it becomes pretty apparent that they have misunderstood what she is capable of and they believe that she is magically turning silver into gold 
and not through the use of economic powers. <laughs> uh, and so she's given challenges by this sort of winter king and she completes them. But because their worlds are separate, the winter king comes to this sort of misapprehension about what it is she's doing. And Miriam, um, for her part, does not really uh she just kind of walks into it, I guess. And it, it makes for a really great story as she's this very somewhat arrogant um, character, but, you know, very, very strong in her personality, much mm-hmm. to the sort of chagrin of the society that she lives in, which does not foster, you know, it's kind of strong women. There's a lot of male voices that try to put her down and in fact, put her in danger in a lot of cases. But, um, you know, like she's a great character to read because she is, you know, she is out there just like putting it down that like nobody's going to put her down or put her in her place. Like she is she's just out there doing it. She, she's not a follower. She has her own agency. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right. That's that's, yeah. that's definitely a thing I look for in characters. And I, and I think like Miriam as a character could have held the book all on her own. And like if it just told Miriam's story, it would be a pretty good book. But there's actually two other perspectives that get put into the book, um, which are, you know, they don't have as much sort of screen time as Miriam does. But there's also a a princess who is struggling um, uh, against her position in a very much more, um, you know, prestigious position that she has because she's been promised to uh, the local czar. And it turns out that he's basically demon possessed and she's going to try to find a way out of that. So she sort of has a, a fiery King that she's dealing with while Miriam is dealing with this winter King. And then there's a third kind of in the middle, which is this very um, poor woman who works for Miriam. And these three perspectives just like are weaved in such a great way that when their stories sort of finally collide in like the back two thirds of the book, it is just it's friggin' magical. Like it's one of those books where you read it and and it immediately is like, oh my god, this is like in my top ten of books, I think. Like it is okay. a great, Very great cool. novel. Yeah. And the elf the elf stuff doesn't feature a lot in the front part of it, but once um you know the Winter King kind of shows up, like the the explanation of winter elf society is super interesting and, and mirrors all the themes that it, the book is set up in such a great way. And it just, I had like the opposite reaction to Rachel's where I'm like, Oh, this is my book. This is my thing. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, could fun. you, could you describe spinning silver and Miriam's story as like a reverse Rumpelstiltskin? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's, it's got a lot of that Rumpelstiltskin story kind of built into it. Um, That's but what I was feeling too. It yeah. kind of takes the main, the the main female character, the princess. Uh, I don't know. Is she a princess? I guess Rumpelstiltskin's story is about. No, she's a, f- a miller's a daughter or a farmer's daughter who's put into the position of having to do that. Yeah. So if you think of like the three stages of that character, the the miller's daughter, her then a prisoner in the prince's castle and then eventually she becomes like the queen yeah like those three stages and you separate them into three different characters then that is like what the story is kind of about yeah um my roommate read uprooted um 
and she said it was very similar to like um, a retelling of Beauty and the Beast. And I I can kind of see that. I think like Naomi Novik's work excels because she starts in these very relatable places where like, oh, this this is a story I've read before. But halfway through, you're like, oh, my God, I've never read anything like this. You know, it was pretty much the same way. Like it's it starts in like well-trodden introducing tropes to you that you've seen before. But by the end of the book, it's like left all that behind and is often running into an enchanted forest at full speed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm excited because both those books are at my library and I should probably read them after I've read the two books that I have currently. (laughs) Well, that's yeah. They are both excellent. I I think spinning silver is uh, the better of the two that might be controversial, but do you think, uh, they're both excellent, so. Do you feel like, you said it felt like a spiritual successor. Do you feel like you need to read, or you think you would, one would be better off reading Uprooted before reading Spinning Silver? No, I think they're they're they're, they're totally unrelated yeah. plot-wise. Um, but I think, like, once you read one and you like it, you will read the other and fall in love for all the same reasons. And it's different enough that it, um, you know, you don't feel beholden to the other book that the it's not it's not like a sequel where you're like oh i needed to read this to get the full story it's like no this is everything i liked about uprooted but in a brand new story in a brand new way are they set in the same world i don't think so um it's hard to tell because the settings are so different where one is um uprooted is set in kind of like a southern almost uh renaissance italy kind of setting Mm. Um, and uprooted is a, a czarist Russia northern cold setting. Uh, could it be like um, uh, have you has anyone heard of the Grisha verse by uh, Lee Bardigo? No. Nope. Um, she has two different series. Um, one is like one is Shadow and Bone uh, trilogy, which is becoming a series actually on Netflix, and the other one is like uh six of crows and that series and well they take place in the same world they're on like totally different continents hmm. six of crows is that a heist novel yes it is a heist novel. okay yes i have read those okay yeah but uh it's like you know how that takes place on that uh island right. basically and the other books take place in basically russia if i re- i haven't read the first series but i think it takes place in fantasy russia fantasy yeah, russia that's right. Or Russian area. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, like, two are, the two are tied by like the events that take place in them, the the sort of global politics. But yeah, they're pretty. I think totally unrelated plot wise. I think maybe I they mean, share one character. Yeah, I really liked uh, Six of Crows series, but I heard like uh, it was the first trilogy was more focused on romance, so I decided to avoid it. Yep, I did the same thing. <laughs> Love is gross. Well, it's YA love, and I tend to hate oh. that. Why? Well, you don't love like how love. we talk so much about like, oh, his hand was so warm in mine, and oh, we stared into each other's eyes. Oh, his eyes stared at me with the promise of a thousand years. It it oh. takes so <laughs> it, they're so fast, and I hate how fast they are. It's like, oh, we're in love. What? Oh yeah, I, I get that. <laughs> like what? How did you go? How do you fall in love with one person in one second? 
So Dan, did this uh, did this look at the perspective of a Jewish moneylender in Russia with a, a you know like a, a look on the the racism of it? Would you say we're three for three for books basically about racism? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a theme of prejudice in the book um, that's mirrored like in the elves and how they treat Miriam. Um, cause she's human, not cause she's Jewish, but, uh, the, you know, I don't, the thing about, um, spinning silver is that it doesn't address that prejudice. It just yeah. accepts that this is a part of existence. Okay. Um, it, it does a little bit in Miriam's relationship with the, um, the winter elves, um, in so much that she sort of uh, tries desperately to prove them wrong in a way that she does not do in the human society. In the human society, she is just like, no, you are wrong. And I have most of the power in this this relationship because I have all the money. Um, Hmm. Where she finds that it's not the same for uh, the, you know, when she's taken to the winter off. So she is she kind of becomes the underdog, which she uh, didn't was not uh, necessarily in her previous existence. Huh, interesting. It's great. I can't stress enough how great it is. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, so this was Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik. And because there are only four of us, Katie, it is now your time to shine. Katie's up. And shine I shall. So I read um, year one. I I would like to recant my statement. I listened to my first no. audiobook. Your first ever audiobook? Not first ever, but like first one that I was For like super into. And oh, okay. I just, oh gosh, since I listened to this, I've listened to like so many other books. I actually listened to this one twice. Anyway, <clears throat> so I like. But Katie, was it on Audible? It was on Audible. I have an Audible <laughs> subscription. I signed up for the uh, twelve credits year long thing. I love it. I I'm ashamed to say that I used to make fun of my friends for listening to Harry Potter on tape. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. It's amazing. Uh, I, I do want to say. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, as somebody who sometimes has to listen to audiobooks, we, we, we accept your apologies. Apology. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yes, you're uh, one of us now. <laughs> well, you're still not one of me. I'm the only, I'm the only holdout, I suppose. Eh. <laughs> eh. Who cares you, you, do you do you. Well, <laughs> I'm just going to plug audiobooks real quick because it's super convenient. I can listen while mowing the lawn, doing dishes, folding laundry. It's amazing. We're not getting, we're not getting paid to do that, Katie. <laughs> Maybe now we will. Still no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Anyways, Peter, you're going to say something. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, you said you listened to it twice. And uh, and one of the highest recommendations I can ever have for a book is that I was, you know, that I'm able to finish it, find out I have nothing else to read. In this case, I was on a bus trip and I'd lost the rest of my luggage. Uh, and I could start it over from the beginning and still thoroughly enjoy it. So that's like, if that's the kind of thing you did with this audiobook, if you could just start over and listen to it again and still enjoy every word. That's that's high praise for me. Yeah. 
I I did. I listened to this and then the second book on audio book thing. Audible, that's the one. <laughs> that's that's well. why we're not getting paid. And then paid. I went back and <laughs> and then I went back and listened to them again. And I pre-ordered the third book. It's coming out. Uh, it is out now that this podcast has been released. It's out. <laughs> is it is it actually going to be out? Yeah, it comes out um, November twenty sixth. I okay. think. I've only. Re- actually read uh, reread a book in a very short time span once and that was uh uncanny collateral by uh by brandon uh mclean Cullen. and you talked about that book ah no i didn't i I did no you didn't it was me wait (gasps) dan did dang it i did talk about it yeah check your notes katie all right i can't stand the suspense what's the name of this book Oh, sorry. It's Year One by Nora <laughs> Roberts. <laughs> we're terrible. We're terrible at our job. Oh, sorry, got yeah. Super Maybe if sidetracked. Maybe start paying us, we'd get better, get more professional. Yeah, <clears throat> audible. What is he? Casper. Casper. Some mattresses. What Casper is Casper? Mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of podcast um, adverts. Mm-hmm. Something, something. Blue Apron, something. Hello, fresh. Oh, gosh. So tell us about the elves. Yeah, yeah there's elves in this book, Yay. but only like later on. <laughs> so we're <laughs> all terrible. So the apocalypse has come in the form of a virus. Um, millions and potentially billions of people are dead because of this. And you die like within 48 hours or 72 hours of contracting it. There's... People who scavenge to survive, and I got a little back check. Sorry. Um, so many people are dead and dying, but there are some who are immune, and some of those who are immune have started developing abilities. Um, it's almost as like like the the virus has unlocked any magical potential that they had because there's witches, there's fairies, elves, and shapeshifters. And it's a a modern post-apocalyptic world. Most of it takes place in New York in the beginning. So did people Um, turn into elves? No. So, well, kind of. So their version of elves, I would say, is more like a dryad because they're like very in tune with nature and they can like morph into a tree. It, and rocks and stuff. It elves are not the main point in this book. That's okay. Sorry, guys. It it just happens to mention them. <laughs> this is it's our uh, this podcast is our way of yelling at people to read books that we really enjoy, or sometimes talking about books that we don't enjoy. Yes, so we can commiserate with other people. <laughs> there we go. Hey, everybody, read Jareg by Stephen Bruce so that you can talk to Rachel and be like, "Yeah, no, that was kind of bleh." It's, it's, or read it and love it and talk to Peter. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Hey, it's still it's still got three stars from me. Out Just of be, out of what five? Oh, okay. Five. You can do more stars. That's okay. Well, it's just because I didn't want to read the sequel. I was like, eh. Yeah. It gets more if I wanted to read if it like interests me enough to get to read the sequel. <laughs> okay, so four stars, you'll read the sequel. Five stars, you'll write the sequel. Um. Yes. <laughs> I dig. What if it's a standalone? I will write the sequel. Boom. All right. Or a prequel. Or midquel. 
<laughs> Whoa, midquel. That's a new one to me. We should pioneer this. All right. But Katie, you were telling us about this virus and elves that are kind of not really part of the point. Okay. So the virus, they dubbed it the doom. Um, it unleashes the magical abilities in a part, a portion of the population. And then it follows like these two witches, Max and Lana. Um, they escape New York and then they they meet up with Max's younger brother in Pennsylvania. And then with following, it follows their storyline. Sorry, words are hard. It follows their storyline, but it also follows um, Arliss and Fred. Fred is a girl. They used to work in like a, a studio. Arliss was a news anchor and then Fred was an intern. And Arliss exposes some big secret about the doom and the government and no spoilers there. And then there's also um, Rachel and Jonah. Rachel's a doctor and Jonah is a paramedic and they help a woman named Katie who lost her. <laughs> yes, I know. Rachel and I, we are a main point in this book. Congrats. I'm sorry. I tried. <laughs> no, I, Katie, I was like, I know, I know. So I'm waiting for Dan and Peter to show up. No, you guys don't exist. Sorry. That's unfortunate. Is there a Nick? We're, we're sci-fi, there Peter. There is no you, Nick. Me and my robot, Peter, are sci-fi, so we don't fit. Yeah. There is a Nick? There <laughs> no, is no, no Nick. No. It's only me and Katie yep. in the post-apocalypse. Well, you're a doctor, and I'm a woman who lost my whole family, except for the, the twin babies <laughs> I'm about to give birth to. So there's that. Uh, I mean, kind of. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to get... I might be getting a doctorate, so... And I have single child. Hey, hey. but not pregnant. No, no goodness, no. We established that. Uh, so in this modern post-apocalyptic world, there's um, kind of a battle going on between light magicals and dark magicals, and then there's the also humans versus magics because people are bigots and. We're going back kind of to the racist thing. Right. We're four for four. (laughs) And then, yes. So what did we learn about this? Are these elves racist? (laughs) Um, Elves typically aren't racist. They are the targets of racism, along with witches. So let's, let's be clear here. Saying that elves as a unit are not racism, are not racist, is itself a form of racism. Because you're you're just ascribing all the people of one species or race, you know, the same qualities. You're being you're stereotyping. Well, as a human, I am racist against these things, apparently, according to against the books. Elves? Yes, against all of the magics. Oh, the the magic the magicals. Yes, because there are people who go through and like there's actually this one group led by a religious zealot, of course, who the best kind is yeah, my favorite kind. And they are just going around slaughtering as many magical people as they can while like some of the survivors just like want to live and build their own little community in the world. Lovely. Gross. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> that was a sarcastic, lovely. I was not being sarcastic. Okay, so we 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 follow uh, disparate groups of people as they traverse this uh, post-apocalyptic n- n- new magical and 
as usual racist world. Yep. All right. So it's, and uh, and uh, go ahead. I was going to say it's it's a five for five for you. <laughs> Definitely. If I could give it like a ten out of five. For stars or racism? Oh, um, well, (laughs) this is the quality racism we're always looking for. (laughs) What? (laughs) Probably both, actually. There's a lot of racism. But you enjoyed the book. You enjoyed it. Yes, 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 yes. And I cannot wait to get my ears on the third one. (laughs) Um, But what was it? Grubby little ears on the next one. So, what is it? This is Year One by Nora Roberts. The next one is Of Blood and Bone, but also by Nora Roberts. And then the third one really? is going to be The Rise of Magics, also by Nora Roberts. I want it to be... I'm a little dis- go, uh, yeah, no, you're saying the same thing. Yeah, go. Year One, Year Two, Year Three. <laughs> yeah. No, because the second book actually takes place like a decade and a half after. Yeah. Year One, Year Ten. Year whatever. <laughs> Yeah. We wanted a constant um, naming scheme. Name things the way I want you to, damn it. I'm sure you can rename it, like, in your Audible library, can't you? I, I don't know. Uh, no. Audible. Probably not. The Audible app is kind of terrible. It doesn't have a lot of features. You'll lose us our non-existent sponsorship. I still love Audible, mainly because it gives me access to audiobooks that I love. Nice save. Okay, you might as yeah. Nice save. <laughs> hey, I gotta. I've been reading. I've been listening to audiobooks for as long as I can remember. It actually got me into. High, uh, got me into the grade that I'm in currently. Grade. Like I was fourteen. I was. No, it's like sixteen actually. Uh, yeah, it makes more sense. Uh, no. I was supposed to start kinder or preschool the year after because my parents didn't think I was ready. But no, you would, you were subscribed to Audible and you were prepared. <laughs> and I asked, what was the Italian Renaissance? Nobody knows. <laughs> well, shoot, what was the Italian Renaissance? <laughs> I was listening to The Mix of Fires of Miss Basil E. Frankweiler and I didn't know. Oh, such a good book. Yeah. And I didn't know what the Italian Renaissance was. And I was very confused. And I was like four. <laughs> Man, I don't know if... Subscribe to Audible. Your kids will be geniuses. Or at least they'll be Rachel. Hey, I have two degrees. I'm not saying you're not a genius. I'm just saying they'll be this particular kind of genius. That's a lot of degrees. That's more degrees than I have. Me too. I have zero degrees. Um, My mom was so surprised when when I asked that question. She just gave me the answer wrote for like memory. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) That's probably what I would do. I mean, if someone surprised me with, so what is the Italian Renaissance? If you're like, imagine you have like a three, four year old asking you that question. You're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd give them probably a very simple and probably highly inaccurate answer based on my, my vague recollections. I'd look around for the cameras. I'm like, am I in a Cyclopedia Britannica commercial? Like what's happening? Uh, Oh, God, Rachel, you never even had an encyclopedia. <laughs> yes, I did. You just had the the whole Internet available to you. Not really. I didn't. I I had a computer, but I didn't know how to use it effectively. That's adorable. Did you, you used it ineffectively? I'm, 
I got like trapped into thinking this was a safe website to go on. I didn't really explore. Wait, which website? Like a uh, Disney Channel or something like that. Uh, like sure. I, I knew the sites that I normally could go on, and I didn't really explore into different sites. That makes sense. <laughs> and that's how I watched a serial killer show. <laughs> that makes wait less a second sense. on Disney on the Disney Channel. <laughs> nope, Discovery Channel because I thought that was oh. a safe channel. <laughs> At least you didn't make it to like E-Bombs World or something. No, um, like Discovery Channel and History Channel, I considered like safe channels because my dad watched it all the time. Yeah. Mm. Of course, you grew up in the age when Discovery aliens. Channel was, yeah, like aliens. And here's six documentaries about Hitler. Oh, no. Uh, and, and Ghost Hunters. Well, uh, History Channel was actually good when I was like in my like middle school age. So like last year. <laughs> oh, Zing. yeah, Dad had to when she was in middle school and now she has two degrees. Well, she's a genius. I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm, and in graduate school right now. Uh, yeah. Well, then, you breezed through college, didn't you? My God. <laughs> uh, I mean, I did, but yeah. Well, let's all take a moment to feel a little inadequate. <laughs> I just had time and then I just used it. But all right. So we've talked about a bunch of books, which all uh, at least tangentially, potentially somewhat reference elves. Maybe. Sorry again, Rachel. Mission accomplished. Um, Okay. Elves (laughs) might be, you could apply that the main characters, uh, like the main species could be elves because they're like uh, perceived as better than everyone else. But Sure. Well, and again, like I wouldn't have recommended it except that the the main characters, like superstitious, old fashioned grandfather calls them elves, um, which, again, perhaps doesn't happen in that first book. I don't recall. No, his grandfather is never like talked to. <laughs> He's met- really? Oh, he, he, play, he plays such a significant role later on. I guess I, I got it a little mixed up. I'm sorry. It's OK. It's still a fun book for most people. Yes. Most people. Not geniuses, though. <laughs> All right. But, uh, <laughs> sorry, Rachel. I don't mean to be okay. I, 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 I don't, You didn't see me, but I rolled my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I felt it in my oh, soul. I, I think you can feel it. Yeah. Um, so, is there anything after? I mean, we, we opened with a, a broad and, and kind of meandering discussion about what are elves and where do they come from. Is there anything we've, like, that comes out, uh, that's come out of this? discussion about the books in particular that sheds any more light on that. I think we talked about it, you know, like they're, they're an easy metaphor to, to, for, for racism and discrimination. And they kind of get used in both sides of that conversation. And, um, you know, I, I think that like, that's probably true for like most fantasy races. So Mm-hmm. I think that's probably, that's probably why they yeah, get to use that sure. way. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably true. I started Carnival Row and that was very heavily racism. I love that show. That was really great. I kind of got bored in the second episode, but apparently it gets much better. Oh, yes. Yes. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just I I've seen that discussion so many times. I'm like, I'm kind of bored of it right now. <laughs> they let the main character, the detective guy, make choices in that show that I've never seen a television show allow a character to make those choices. Like they, they, every, they, they give those characters this is what I love in fiction. What happens in spinning silver sometimes is they give the character a choice and you're like, well, of course they're going to choose this. 
And then they get right up to the point where they're like, obviously going to make the obvious choice. And then they go left and you're like, oh, God, what's happening in the show? Okay. Doesn't that usually make you feel like they're making like a nonsensical choice no, or something? No, because it's earned like there's great context. And you're like, it's one of those things where the character could go either way. And I don't, I don't know. Do you want me? Do you guys want me to spoil? No, let's no, 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 no. no, no. okay. not drop any spoilers here, but it's uh, but that's 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 good to know because often, I mean, I mean, we've all we've all seen those carrying the idiot ball moments where uh, it feels like someone makes a decision just because otherwise the plot ends. Yeah, um, right. And it's good to hear that they're making interesting decisions that you didn't want them to make, but still feel valid. I think it's I think it's because the choices in Carnival Row lead the story in a unpredictable way. Like, you know, you're like, well, I just assume because this is a TV show that they want to get sort of back to a neutral position at the end of each episode. And Carnival Row does not do that. They're like, no, let's just keep taking left turns and break. Sure. They, they're not big on the status quo. Yeah, yeah. It's not chaos. It's not chaotic. It's it's right. it feels very directed, but but unusual choices. Yeah. Uh, my main problem was like the first two episodes, it felt very predictable to me. I'm like, this character is going to act like this because everyone's an asshole. <laughs> um, and I feel like they do that to set up later choices that are not the predictable choices. Yeah. Okay. I'll continue then. He's just like, I was just like, I am bored. I can't deal with this right now. Which, which service is it on? Amazon, Amazon prime. There's also a prequel um, on the Audible app. I don't know if it's That's still right. up. Amazon proud owners of audible.com who are <laughs> we love and adore <laughs> request their money. Please send your text. Too. All right. I, mean, I think we, we did another episode. I, I think we have. And I think uh, we're supposed to let people know that next month we will be uh, working along the very focused theme of some book from 2019. Um, yeah. Any book that came out in 2019, we'll all pick one we want to read and, and talk about. I mean, I already read mine. In preparation, I realized I have not read a single book this year that came out this year. So I have to find a book. <laughs> I know a book came out this year, but I don't know if you want to do it. Which one? Um, Holy Sister by Mark Lawrence. Oh, I might do well, that one. Also, The Hot King came out this year. And the Priory of the Orange Tree. I read that one. Yeah, I don't know about doing... I guess you did Red Sister previously, right? No, I have not. I discussed doing it. Oh, okay. All right, well, <laughs> because, that'll be interesting. Uh, because one of our previous uh, thrown out themes was first book in a series. I'm like, I just bought the audible book for Red Sister. I will do that, but no. <laughs> All right. Well, please right, uh, well. rate us and review us on Audible Pop. Audible podcast <laughs> on, on Apple on Apple and will take mean, those five stars if he got them and give us feedback so we can be better. Yes, uh, we'd be happy to take any feedback about how we run or mismanage this uh, group of four to five blabbering people, and uh, anything you want to tell us is good. Uh, Do we have like, like an email or somewhere these people can actually send these things? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Nick will take it's care just of that. Like you can follow, go, if you go to TooManyThoughtsMedia.com, uh, too it has our individual Twitters that you can just stalk us on. Yeah. Is my voice annoying? We'll see. <laughs> oh, tell no. us. Please don't tell <laughs> Join us. Join the vote. You can't do anything about it, you monster. <laughs> Register now to vote. 
Uh, no, it's a voice only that in my no- my voice is annoying. You're going to have to do a funny voice. Hello? My name is Skeletal! Oh my gosh. <laughs> Play the music in the episode. No. <laughs> we peaked. This is the peak. We'll never get as good as this. <laughs> um, I said, well, Nick wasn't here today, so we have to do something else. got off the rails. Nick. Nick. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Wait, yeah. is that how we're closing? Okay. Are we done? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're done. Oh.